You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your otherworldly hosts, Alora Rain and Kitty Fields. Do us a favor and be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Every review makes us more visible for fellow magic makers to find. We also invite you to do the same with our sister podcast, Mimir's Well, where we explore darker topics in witchcraft. And be sure to pay a visit to my website at alorarain.com to grab a tarot reading, numerology, or soul origin profile. Now on to the show. His name comes from words meaning ecstasy, fury, and inspiration, as well as master of. But this is just the beginning. He has hundreds of names. Wanderer, Awakener, Sleepbringer, Magician, Hanged Man, Iron Mask, Battle Wolf, Screamer, Woden, Allfather. All of these names describe one potent god, the Norse god of war, magic, wisdom, poetry, death, and creation. In this installment of our continuing deity series, we meet the man who inspired the title of our sister podcast, Mimir's Well, the Most High himself, Odin. He inspires us to create beauty as well as to wreak havoc. Some of his devotees say he is chaos personified, while others believe him to be the stable protector and teacher. All of their claims are true. Grab your cuppa and get ready to have your space filled with the wonders of Odin. Hey, hey. Hello. Hello. Knocking on the door. So this is an episode I think that we've both been excited about. Oh, yeah. Because it's no secret that we are both devotees of Odin. Correct. If you've listened to the podcast, any of our podcasts for any length of time, it really becomes pretty clear that we are (laughs) devotees of Odin. But for those who haven't listened before, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I just wanted to ask you before we like really get started, what is one thing that still surprises you about Odin? That is a good question. I feel the one thing that really surprises me that continually surprises me is how many roles he can play mm, that's a good and one. how it shifts and changes for the individual. But also I think for me, like depending on what phase I'm going through. Right. How about you? What do you think? What, what's, what surprises you about him? Oh, I think it's hands down the speed at which he responds to things. Oh yeah, that's true too. I have never experienced another deity that when you petition them or when you are in need of something and you call out to them, that you get an answer or a sign or a something within hours. Yeah. It's almost immediate. Right. And I, you're right. I've never, I've never worked with a deity like Odin in that way. He, yeah, it's super quick. And it's also, I feel like his presence, this is just for me. I don't know if I feel this way, but I feel like his presence it comes through much stronger. Mm, yes. In certain ways. I don't know how, to explain that fully, but it's like, I could close my eyes and just picture him and he's there. Right. Yes, exactly. I don't don't get that with a lot of other deities. I don't know if any other 
devotees have had those experiences, but I know you have, and I have, and I think it just may be his nature. Mm -hmm. Like he is a very big presence. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Agreed. All right. So let's, let's dive into it. So for those who don't know, Laura, who is Odin exactly? Well, (laughs) if we can exactly put him into terms. (laughs) Okay. This is the shortened condensed version. Mm. He is an ancient Norse God who is deemed chief God of the Aesir in Norse mythology. The Aesir are the principal gods of Norse mythology and they reside in Asgard. They think that Odin may be proto-Germanic, i.e. Teutonic, as the archaeology suggests, but we do know for sure he was the principal deity of pre-Christian Scandinavia. And Scandinavia is all those countries in the frozen north, so Sweden, Iceland, Denmark. And then his worship migrated into Europe. So that's where you get into the Germanic version, side, Mm -hmm. manifestation. Yes. So along those same lines, how, how does Odin manifest? In physical form, Odin has manifested for you more than me. Really? Because Odin typically for me is, well, but I'm a big dreamer. So that's where I see him. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely have dreams of him, of him. But I know that you have had like in-person encounters Yeah, never, like, I wouldn't say ever up close, but it was like when I first started working with him, I would just see a likeness of him everywhere. Mm. And it's not usual, I don't think, that you leave your house and you see Odin walking (laughs) to Wawa, you know what I mean? Like down the sidewalk or Odin at a construction site. Like, I mean, it's a large man. This is just how I saw him. A large man, older man, gray beard, gray hair, very much just the Odin essence. (laughs) And it was like, I was seeing him every day, everywhere. Oh, mowing a lawn with like a broad brimmed hat on, you know, it just was like, oh, this was, it was crazy. It happened for probably a few months, almost like at least a couple times a week, I would see somebody that looked like him that I thought this has to be him, like physically manifesting <laughs> himself, you know? And I've never, I've never ever like with other gods. Now I will say that recently, I feel like Loki has that ability too, but on a lesser scale, mm. but um, so you see him in dreams. Dreams in tarot as well, oh, which we'll true. get into that late a bit later um but he is definitely an archetype in the tarot and so working with the tarot for so long um i've seen him in many different manifestations that way uh and he and he is a favorite deity for a particular trump and we'll we'll talk about all that coming up yes i have a feeling i know which one that is (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you do so he he appears with a long gray beard and gray hair typically or just a gray beard and gray hair. It doesn't have to be long, but, and then he's, as far as the mythos goes and how he'll appear in dreams and usually missing an eye or has something covering an eye, which we're going to get more into later, could have a staff in his hand. And he's sometimes wearing a hooded cloak or a broad brimmed hat. Yes. In dreams, I've always seen him in his grandfather-esque form mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> with cloak, not, not usually with a staff, but always with a cloak. 
and it's usually either gray or blue. When I, when I all- just visualize it, I think gray or blue. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And always with a beard and always with one eye. But like, I always picture him as like a really good looking older man. I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like Sean Connery. Yes. I was just going to say like a... Sh- <laughs> Or like a, when Mad Max gets really old. <laughs> What's that guy's name that plays my Max? I can't remember. Anyway, um, he's a good looking guy. So, Sean Connery. He's a million years old, but he's still. <laughs> yes, ex- I fully agree. Oh, man. So why don't we talk about, we'll get into Odin's domains and his qualities before we dive into the lore and the history. So can you tell us about his roles as berserker and as a sage? First of all, Odin takes a lot of different roles and archetypes. His appearance really depends on the role that he's fulfilling, but generally he has three three main states, I would say. So warrior, sage, and magician. But for the berserker warrior... Odin is well known for his warlike qualities. And in fact, we believe a lot of men who are devotees of Odin tap into or experience this quality of Odin more readily than any other, Mm -hmm. right? So he's manifesting more often as the berserker warrior where men are concerned. Mm -hmm. Men, male identifying, et cetera, Um, because I don't want to leave anybody out. Odin is known for going into ecstatic trance. Like this is in a lot of the stories and he does this particularly during battle. And therefore he inspired a type of warrior who would come to be called the berserker. Mm -hmm. Going berserk means to go into a frenzy and stems from the name of Odin's warriors. The word berserker actually translates to bear shirt because the berserkers were said to take on the likeness and fury of the bear in battle, all qualities stemming from the berserker himself. I love that. Oh my gosh. Revelation. What? For you, actually. (laughs) You know how the bear just came into your... Yes. Totem. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, you're probably right. I didn't think about it like that, like from this perspective, so... That's interesting too, because also because with the things that you're going through, like maybe you need to harness some of that frenzy and fury and go berserk. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, I, I feel like I'm going to freaking go berserk at some point, but <laughs> I'm trying to keep it together y'all, but um, no, that's a really good point. I didn't think about it. it, it yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's a song by Dan Heim called berserker which is really good cool that kind of invokes this type of energy if anybody okay yeah you're absolutely right what about i love the fact though that when like anytime somebody uses the word berserk now i'm like yes use it again (laughs) (laughs) well odin's name is rooted in the old norse word odor which means furious as one of his powers is inspiring. He inspires madness and fury and inspires the berserkers to madness on the battlefield. They go into a trance and feel no pain and fight with unmatched ferocity. Scholars. So posit- awesome. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You said that is so awesome. <laughs> and very dangerous. Very. <laughs> Scholars posit that ecstatic trance might have once been a large part of Odin's cult. 
in ancient times. And May points to the idea of Odin possessing these warriors and giving them his power in battle. That I'm like 100% on. Yeah. Like, I think it was more of a possession. Oh, and by the way, we're going to be talking about this in the mirror as well. <laughs> Shameless plug. We are, we are. <laughs> no, but like to possess, possession and channeling and- Right. If they're invoking Odin into themselves in order to like win a battle, yeah. We'll get into this in the more in the spirit possession episode, but spirit possession typically all, always starts with a trance. Mm-hmm. It's not a far-fetched idea. <laughs> no, it's not. Yep. So let's talk about Odin as the sage. Okay, so in this particular guise, Odin's domain is wisdom. He teaches the art of self-sacrifice to many of his devotees because he is one of the masters of such. In fact, he is often portrayed as the hanged man in the the Rider White Smith Tarot (laughs) for his ability to sacrifice himself for a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you look across different tarot decks, he has been a likeness for, I can't even count how many hanged mans. Interesting. Uh, In the Havamal of the Poetic Eddas, Odin hangs himself from the Yggdrasil, the sacred ash world tree. For nine days and nine nights, wounded by his own spear. So he has taken his spear and he has stabbed himself with it. Uh, He has had no food, no water for this entire time. And he is doing this for the sake of gaining the wisdom of the runes. Because on the ninth night, when he was near death, the runes appeared to him. Love it. That is some commitment. It is definitely some commitment. And interestingly, the nine nights, I just realized, corresponds to the nine realms too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. Ooh. <gasps> Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder if while he was in that trance, this is just a theory of mine. This has nothing to do with lore or anything, but for each day that he was in that trance, I wonder if he was visiting one of the realms possible. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. I just, I just thought of that. And I know for, I know for me and for many devotees of Odin, I don't know if you do this, but the the nine days, nine nights sacrifice, that's kind of a thing um, that not like, don't, you don't hang yourself from a tree and all that, but it's kind of like uh, Christians and Lent. Like you, you sacrifice something for as long as Odin was on that tree. You know, that is brilliant. And I haven't used that. So I will be. Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't. Honestly, I've been, I started working with Loki and Mm. I feel, this is just my opinion and I'm not going to go too far into it, but I feel like Loki (laughs) is actually an aspect of Odin, but it's just a different energy. So I just haven't been working directly with Odin as much. I would say that you're not, I don't think that you're, I don't know that I would say that, but I would definitely say that they're very similar because Odin was also known to be somewhat of a trickster Mm -hmm. as well. Well, especially takes so many forms like there's my reasons, but yeah. 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 Especially when you get into the lore of like the meat of poetry and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and I think possibly we will do an episode on Loki maybe next season or the season after or something. Oh, I'm sure that would be a good one. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So can you tell us why Odin is famous for being one eyed? Sure. So this was another sacrifice of self that Odin made for the benefit of wisdom 
intelligence, knowledge, et cetera. Hmm. The Yggdrasil has three roots and one of them reaches into the primordial space of all of existence. At the end of the root is a well called Mimisbrunner. I hope I said that right. <laughs> but better known as Mimir's well. See what I did there? I like it. Which contains wisdom and intelligence. The master of the well, Mimir, was so wise because he drank from this well every day. And Odin wanted the same for himself, but Mimir refused to let him drink from the well. So Odin then took out his eye and placed it on the edge of the well as a pledge to Mimir. And so he remains one-eyed because for the sake of wisdom and intelligence to be able to drink from Mimir's well, he gave up his eye for it. Wow. Yeah. I know the story, but I'm just having like some major epiphanies as you're reading all this. <laughs> and another thing about sacrificing this eye, because this eye rests at Mimir's well, which is the well of wisdom, knowledge, etc. cetera, mm-hmm. that eye can see everything that's going on in the world. Worlds. Oh yeah, that's right. So now it is a spiritual eye or an oracle eye or whatever you want to call it. But the it is eye, the eye of Sauron. No, I'm just kidding. The all seeing eye. Where were <laughs> the eye of Sauron? Where did you get that? I've heard that before. Um, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I, it, I, I was making a joke, but to be okay, sorry. If y'all heard my Apple Watch, I apologize. That just went off in the microphone. Okay. Interestingly, J.R.R. Tolkien was very much into the Norse and Germanic mythologies. So I wonder if Odin's eye hmm. inspired his idea for the eye of Sauron. Probably because there's, you got to think about in Lord of the Rings, there's also the light and the dark elves, right? And that's all a part of the Edas. And yeah, okay. I could go off on a Lord of the Rings tangent, but I won't. <laughs> Reel it back in. Reel it Reel back, back in. in. But uh, if you're an LOTR fan, you get it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So why don't you tell our listeners about Odin in the guise of the magician? So in this guise, obviously his domain is magic. He has even been known to be deemed the father of witches, which I love that name for him. And I think it's actually a part of one of Heilung's songs that talks about mm-hmm. Odin. They call him the father or the king of witches or something like that. So he is a practitioner of the Norse magical system of seethe. And some of the terms for this might be seethe man or seethe mather. This system of magic is known to be practiced primarily by women, the vulva, and was taught to the gods by Freya. In the poetic Eda Locasena, it's disclosed that Odin is actually chastised by Loki for practicing the art of seethe and deemed unmanly for doing so. I, yeah. Ah, Loki. <laughs> yeah, he calls him Ergi, which means basically an effeminate man. Oh, geez. Well, like Loki should talk. But anyway, ironically, right. <laughs> it's ironic that he calls him unmanly and Loki is totally, I know, <laughs> like gender fluid and very much can play any role. But anyway, 
Ironically, according to the archaeology of shamanism by Neil Price, it's believed that Seeth was associated with antisocial behavior and therefore seen as a disreputable practice at the time of the Icelandic sagas. However, he goes on to say that shamanic practices were likely more acceptable. Hmm, interesting. Odin is also known to be the father of incantation, Galder father, and works magic with his wand. Godfather. He has also been known to don a skirt and drum for the land spirits. A skirt like a Celt, kind of? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Wow, cool. And he drums for the land spirits with the witches. According to Diana Paxson in her article, Drumming with the Witches, Odin and with Women's Wisdom. Oh, this is so cool. Now I want to play the drum. <laughs> <laughs> He is a protector and promoter of witchcraft and magic in all of its various formats. Yeah. In my experience, he has a tendency to lend his softer side to those who practice magic, particularly if you are identified as female, feminine, etc. Yes. Okay. So remember how we said earlier that like the warrior berserker is typically the archetype that comes to men. Yes. Well, this is typically the archetype that comes to female, feminine identifying practitioners. Yes. And the mythos actually talks about him, how he really loves women and particularly women who are like seekers of wisdom. So if you are a witch or a magical practitioner of some kind and you're female, yeah, he definitely, he's a fan. Yeah. I mean, you get that. I don't know how to describe it except to say grandfatherly, fatherly warmth. Yeah, I agree. That's all I've ever experienced from him. I don't get the scary berserker. I can see how he can be. Don't get me wrong. But Mm -hmm. yeah, he he comes to me in that way as well. Very much like a, I don't want to say father or grandfather, but kind of like that role. Yeah. Like I said, I don't really know how to describe it except that. (laughs) It's hard to describe because I don't want to say that he's like a grandfather because I also think he's attractive. (laughs) Yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. (laughs) I get, I get exactly what you're saying. So he's also the founder of a magical alphabet, which we've briefly Mm. discussed called the elder Futhark, excuse me, runes that are used in divination, sigil magic, and various other magical applications. Typically, Mm. if you're called to the runes, it's because because Odin has tapped you on the shoulder for this. I know. Don't come for me. It's just in my experience, it's typically what happens. (laughs) Um, I would say, interestingly... I started working with the runes before I really felt Odin's presence very strongly. Mm, Yeah, no, I'm not saying that you have to work with him before you can work with the runes or anything like that. I'm just saying in ethers, I'm pretty sure Odin is responsible for allowing. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I I just find it interesting because I think think you're right. I think that that is definitely the case. I just didn't realize that that... I think actually the first one I worked with, with was Burkano and that was through Bershta. So, mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. he was paving the way or maybe she was kind of introducing me, but he was the one going, you know, mm-hmm. tap, tap. <laughs> well, I just find it like hard to believe that a deity that literally hung on a tree for nine days, nine nights, 
starving without water had given up an eye had stabbed himself with a spear was near death just to obtain the wisdom from this particular divination system is just going to be like yeah anybody can do it i just heard a really loud crinkling noise and i thought maybe we were about to do some asmr oh sorry <laughs> you're fine those are my m&ms man oh m&ms Nice. <laughs> a secret. I don't know. I don't want people to say that I'm gatekeeping or like I'm trying to be what what do they say nowadays? Um, witch splaining and all that stuff. And it that's not it. I'm just saying, like, that's a lot to go through to just be like, yeah, anybody. Sure. Well, I think that you're just saying that it's it's yes, it's definitely his domain. And I think that you need to have a, a respect and an understanding of where the runes right. come from. Exactly. Just like with any divination system. I mean, you, if you're not understanding the origins of it, then you're only scratching the surface and it's never going to be that great for you. I don't mean to sound mean, but. See, this is why we work so well together because you can explain what's coming out of my brain better than I can. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> vice versa too. Okay. So with Odin's ability to fall into ecstatic trance when he wasn't going berserk, Odin is known for his ability to use this trance to project his soul into that of another creature or person. In different mythos, he shapeshifts into the body of a snake and eagle as two examples. And interestingly, I just want to like inject a little experience into this. When he has come to me in animal form, it has often been through the form of a bald eagle. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like one day I was literally out side in my driveway and my kids are playing and I was reading a book about Odin, which I referenced for this little bit of this podcast, the parts that I wrote. <laughs> and, um, I literally, as I was reading his name on the page, this huge bald eagle flew by and like the wingspan was so big that it almost touched. Like it looked like it was going to touch either house on either side when oh, it wow. flew between them. Yeah. It was, we get really large, um, bald eagles here, here, but I wasn't expecting that at all. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that, that that's just cool that, that he's shifted in as an, into an eagle as well. Okay. So a lot of people know Odin as the all father, yes. also as a creator. And so in the Norse and Germanic mythos, he is one of actually three gods responsible for the creation of man. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. From norsemythology.org, not too long after the world itself was created, Odin was walking along the coast of one of the new land masses. With him were two other gods. In one version, these were his brothers, Vili and V. And in another version, they were obscure figures, Honir and Lothir. Uh, <laughs> side note, there's some speculation that Lothir is another name for Loki. The three yes. deities found two tree trunks, perhaps pieces of driftwood lying on the beach. They were shaped like a man and a woman, but they were lifeless and powerless. So the three gods decided to give them what they lacked and make them true humans. Odin blew into them the breath of life while his two companions imparted inspired mental activity, a healthy complexion, and the ability to speak, hear, and see. So that's his role in the creation of human beings. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, I, I, I love that. I just, that he breathes life into us. And when you, when you think of the word inspire, 
Mm. It has double meaning, right? So when you inspire, you're actually, that means to breathe in, but Mm. it also means to be, to be inspired, to be, to be filled with creativity. So essentially Odin is involved in any and all creative processes, as well as whenever we breathe physically. True. So, and someone, I don't know which author said this, but they said a cool exercise when you're working with Odin is just when you're doing breathing techniques. So when you breathe in, you visualize that you're breathing in Odin's breath and therefore life. And when you breathe out, you visualize that you're giving that life back to him. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. So what about Odin as a wanderer? outlaw and then also his domain over death. Odin is known as a wanderer because despite the many animals that are associated with him, he is known to wander by foot and he does this in disguise in several of the Edas and sagas. So he's kind of like that mystery man, you know, that, (laughs) that, that beggar on the street that you don't think is, you know, that you might not pay attention to. What if God was one of us? You know, it's funny that that song. Every time I hear that song, I think I do think of Odin. Do you really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's weird. Odin was the god of outlaws. This is so interesting to me because Odin himself was declared an outlaw by the Aesir. What? Yeah. Norse society, they didn't have laws, right? They had rules that were social norms for them. And if you broke the rules... You weren't usually killed or imprisoned or anything like that. Typically, you were stripped of any property that you owned and you were banished from the village or town or whatever. That sucks. They were just like, yeah, give me your land and be gone. Give me your crap and get the freak out of here. (laughs) Yeah. So in fact, per Andy Gibbons, many outlaws were exceptionally strong-willed warriors who liked to challenge what was considered the norm. And many were free thinkers. Mm. So today, I think that we would say that Odin is more a patron of the sacred rebel versus outlaw, because I think, I think the two here are interchangeable because I don't think when we think outlaw, we think murder or robber, you know, we think crime. Mm-hmm. This was more, why do I have to, I don't know, Conform. why do I have to have this many sheep or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, why, they're, they're pushing their boundaries. They didn't want to conform. Yeah. Right. In modern society, this is all the things that we, that the government may come up with that we protest against, for example. Uh, yeah. All of those people would be considered outlaws in Norse society. So hmm. Odin is the patron of all of those people. So cool. I love him even more. <laughs> And finally, Odin is associated with death, not the underworld, death itself, because he presides over Valhalla, an enormous and beautiful hall where slain warriors who die in battle are chosen by Odin and his Valkyrie to go rest and feast until the time when they will aid Odin at Ragnarok. In modern day, it is debated as to whether slain warrior in battle is meant to be literal like, for instance, military of right. soldiers who die in battle or metaphorical as well. Right. Right. So oh, if yes. your whole, whole life feels debate. like a battle. <laughs> right. I feel you. So in the prose Eda, Odin steals the meat of poetry 
through his talent of shape-shifting. The meat of poetry was created by the murder of Kvasir, a being that was created from the saliva, from the truce made by the gods at the end of the Aesir Vanir Wars. Kvasir, this sounds like a liquor to me. Doesn't his name sound like <laughs> Kvasier, Kvasier. That's what I'm of. Okay. <laughs> Kvasier. <laughs> So Cavassier was tasked with giving wisdom and knowledge to mankind. (laughs) He visits the dwarves and is killed and his blood is mixed with honey to make two vats of mead, one of poetry and one of knowledge. Whoever drinks from these vats obtains the gifts of poet or scholar. Long story short, Odin asks for a sip from the person tasked with protecting the mead. And he is, of course, denied access. So in order to gain access, Odin decides to shapeshift into a snake to get into the mountain to sleep with the daughter of the guardian of the mead, whose room the mead was in. This is like an elaborate plan, y'all. This is an elaborate ruse. Odin drinks the vat dry and then shapeshifts again into the form of an eagle to head back to Asgard, where the Aesir are waiting for him to arrive. He arrives in the nick of time and spits out the mead into three vats, thus preserving poetry for the gods and those truly gifted in the art of poetry. Funny side note, before he can spit the meat into the vats, a small amount leaks from his anus (laughs) and is deemed the rhymester's share. Stop it. (laughs) True story. Oh my God. This is so funny and crazy. I've never heard that. That is so funny. Which not sure if this is well known, but rap battles were a thing in ancient Scandinavia. I did know that, but they were known as flighting. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the rhymester share is how flighting came about. <laughs> like farting out poetry. That is hilarious. Farting? Uh, well, it leaks from his anus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought it meant. <laughs> Okay. Oh my goodness. I mean, this is up for interpretation. Yes. Like things leak from your anus. It's not just one. There's a couple things. (laughs) Spoken like a true nurse. Need a little bit of weed there. Yeah. I was going to say, how's your wine? How's your beer? Pretty good. All right. So moving on from farting rap battles, (laughs) Odin as a healer. This is kind of a lesser known quality, I think, of his, but I think you and I both had some personal experiences with this. Yes. Mm. Yes. So for me, when back in, this was in 2020, when COVID was like the new thing, right? Mm. (laughs) The OG, I got the OG variant and um, I got pretty sick and I got, I gave it to my whole family, of course, and everyone was pretty sick and it was just kind of scary, you know, cause nobody knew what was going on. And I think that was one of the times when he really came to me pretty strongly. And like, I remember laying in bed and just being really scared and just praying to him. And he would just be like right there. And I feel like mm-hmm. he definitely has a healing presence. Mm. How about you? I've told this story many times before, but when I had open heart, surgery the last time it was about 10 years ago now in my uh, drug-induced coma <laughs> I guess you'd say I actually must have astral traveled to other members of my family who have uh spidey senses right if that's the way you want to put it and let them know that all it was all good because I was hanging out with Odin at the Yndrasil like chilling that's awesome Yes, I've heard that story before, but I love it. So 
but I have no recollection of any of that because when you're in a drug induced coma, you don't, there's no dreaming. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've not had open heart surgery, but I have been put under and I know what you're saying. There's also, so there's two specific accounts of prayers to Odin for healing. There's mm-hmm. the nine herbs charm in the Lacnunga which is an Anglo-Saxon manuscript with herbal remedies. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but basically Odin is invoked in this charm to heal a snake bite and or poisoning of some kind. Mm. And there are nine herbs that actually go along with the, with the charm. If anyone's Hmm. interested, I've actually read about people who grow the nine herbs in their garden and then harvest it specifically to use. um, It's always nine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A recurring theme. <laughs> Definitely. And then also there's another one called the Merseburg charm. And in this hmm. one, he's in he's invoked with a couple other gods and goddesses, but he's invoked to aid in healing a bone sprain, bleeding, or broken bones as well. Hmm. Interesting. So Alora, can you tell us about how why is Odin called the Yule Father? So one of Odin's names is Yulfada, which means Yulfather. <laughs> he travels across the skies in the winter season, rewarding good and punishing the bad. As part of and leader of the wild hunt, he flies an eight-legged steed named Slipnir. For these obvious reasons, it's speculated that Odin is indeed the precursor of the modern Santa Claus. And they even look alike. And I actually wrote a whole article about that. If anyone's interested, otherworldlyoracle.com. I think it's called, is Christmas really a pagan holiday or something like that? All right. So getting into now the actual lore and the history a little bit deeper of Odin, where does Odin come from? So Odin is, as we've said, Germanic Norse. And so there's speculation as to his true origins, One of them is a king from Asia in the Yinglinga saga, written by Sturluson. It's written that Odin was a king who came from Asaland, so A-S-A-L-A-N-D, also referred to as Asia. And I quote, the land in Asia to the east, Asaland or Asaheim, and the chief town in the land was called Asagarth or Asgard. In the town, there was a chief who was known as Odin. Odin was uh, was a mighty warrior who had wandered far and won for himself many kingdoms. He was so victorious that he won every battle. It was believed that Odin was an actual historical king from Western Asia who migrated to the north of Europe with his people in ancient times. This is interesting because I don't think I've heard this before. Yeah, it's actually right in the the Heimskringla, the sagas. Oh, right. Yeah. I just, I'll just pull out my copy. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I have a copy. You can get a copy. I'm just, no, (laughs) just the way that you say it. Like, yeah, it's just in the, (laughs) well, the only reason I say it like that is because it's literally the first page, like the first page that I read of that book, I was like, I'm just going to, it's a large book. Okay. (laughs) I've read like a chapter, but the one chapter I read the very first chapter, it's like, oh yeah, guys, by the way, Odin's actually a king from West Asia. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) It kind of blows your mind. You're like, what? Yeah. And if, and if that's the case, well, he's been depicted incorrectly all these years. I mean, 
I don't know though, you know, things evolve, people and legends evolve and, you know, who knows how many of the deities that we consider deities today might've once actually been like an actual person. Perhaps. Cause I think that's, what's going to happen with like, you know, Daenerys Stormborn. Yeah. I mean, who knows? We've talked about this a little bit, like pop culture and. Yes. And that is like getting into a whole realm of like chaos magic, Mm -hmm. which we should do an episode on. Definitely. There's also uh, some speculation that he was an ancestor to Danes and Danish Kings. Mm -hmm. Remember how we've said that the origin of gods gets pretty blurry. Well, Odin is another of the gods who is also viewed as an ancestor to many. This could be because he was once a real man or because the kings of Daneland wanted to claim their power by way of ancestral lineage to a god like Odin, the Allfather, or because he is indeed believed to be the creator, life giver to the human race via heathenism, therefore is an ancestor to all of mankind. Mm-hmm. We can still trace many of the Danish kings and therefore some of our own ancestors back to Odin. There's an entire article written on tracing lineage to Odin on genie.com if anyone is interested in learning more about that. Yes, I've actually done it myself. It's it's actually, it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of people, it's a thing. <laughs> so what do you think? Do you think he was a real man that you've descended from? I think it's a definite possibility, but... I also think that it could just be that the guy, this guy's name, like King Skjald or Skald, he's the one that actually claims that Odin was his father. And so it could have just been that he just wanted to say that Odin the God was his father to make himself look good. And then it just carried on. Does that make sense? (laughs) Kind of like how the pharaohs in Egypt said, you know, I'm the Horus incarnate or I'm the son of Ra or what have you. Yeah. It could go either way, but I'm not... I'm open-minded enough to say that I do believe some of the deities may have once been actual figures that just kind of kept going like in a legendary fashion and became deified. Mm. How about you? Oh, who knows? I don't know. (laughs) The lines get very blurry, you know, like we've said many times before with the origins of gods, you know, there's elementals and then you have ancestors and then you have people that could have once been actual people and then heroes and, you know. Oh, yeah. And I mean, look at, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. He was an actual person. Good point. But was he the son of God? Mm. Good example. Okay. So what about the regions of his of his cult? Okay, so Northern, Central, and Western Europe. So one of the three main statues at the Uppsala Temple in Sweden, so we know there was a strong cult there, mm-hmm. called Woden by the Saxons in Germany, who also took his name, worship to the Brit- British Isles with them. We said in the beginning his worship migrated into oh, Germany. Yeah. So then you've got Denmark, Norway, and Iceland as well. And today in modern society worldwide. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I'm like a hundred percent sure that Iceland has officially or has officially taken on the old gods as their official religious practices. Really? Yes. I was at when I was something about that and I just kind of breezed by it, but that's awesome. Yeah. When I was researching for this podcast, as a matter of fact, I came across several Articles talking about how uh, Odin's like the official main deity of Iceland now. Like they've reclaimed the old ways. That's awesome. Right? Like, why can't we do that? Iceland is on one of my 
that's like my top list of places to travel. So now I really want to go there. I'd like to see Uppsala someday. Yeah, for sure. Can you, could you just imagine, oh, the vibe? Oh yeah. I bet there is some supernatural things going on there. I have this little teeny tiny ant crawling across my computer screen and I'm like, is this (laughs) Odin or Loki? (laughs) This never happens. It's weird. I'm like, where'd you come from? Why don't we talk about his name and other names he's known by? Yes. Y'all, this guy has so many names. We can't even name them all. All right. But you can literally Google Odin's names and you will get a wiki list of about like a hundred and something, 170 names for Odin. Mm. So just a few of the ones that we would like to point out, we've already called him all father. He's also the Yule father, Grimnir, which means the masked one, Bjorn, which actually means bear, which by the way, in my family, Bjorn Ironside. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was going to say, I have a lot of Bjorns in my family tree. So there's the bear connection again. Cool. I know. Right. Uh, Blindy, which means blind one, Bolverker, which I think this is really interesting. It actually means evildoer. Hmm. Knock, 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 knock. Many masks, right? Javi, high one. Hildoff, which means battle wolf. Olger, which means hawk. Svafnir, which means sleep bringer. And Vakir, which means vigilant. And that's just like literally a handful of 170 plus known names for Odin. And- for all of you guys that are listening out there, we know that saying Odin is incorrect. <laughs> Correct. But right. uh, yeah, because if you look up actual uh, Scandinavian pronunciation, it varies. But in general, it's the the D is a TH sound. So mm-hmm. his name's actually supposed to be pronounced like Othin. Well, and there, if you see the D is written a little bit differently, it's like a... Mm. It's like a D with an X. Yeah. Which means that it's, yeah, exactly. That is not pronounced duh, but like a, like a, so there's some speculation that the word God in and of itself is derived from one of Odin's many names. Mm, Probably. Well, I mean, that's plausible. Well, I had actually found the name that that is referring to many months ago and I didn't write it down and now I can't find it, but y'all just have to trust me. I'm into etymology. I love like the root of words. So I look up this stuff all the time. Alora, gods yeah. who may be the same or are closely related to Odin. And let us note that many people believe the Celts and Germanic peoples stem from the same heritage. And therefore a lot of their practices, holy days and gods are very similar. Agma, mm-hmm. the father slash inventor. <laughs> Of the Celtic Ogum, sound familiar? Warrior god and brother to the Dagda, as well as to Lu. And side note, interesting how Loki is linked to Lu and Loki is the brother of Odin. And are we making the connections? I think that's awesome. <laughs> uh, second would be the Dagda, the all-father type figure in the Celtic pantheon who appears a lot like Odin. Long gray beard, hair with a cauldron of wisdom. Hello, Mimir's well. King of the gods and druid. Mm-hmm. Which you know, reminds me of Odin's sage, right? Mm, Aspect. Yes. And you know, I'm wondering, you remember when we did our Dru- druid episode, mm-hmm. our pagan ancestors druid episode, and we talked about how the druids may predate the Celts' yeah. arrival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if druids were Norse priests. 
that just migrated. I don't know the timeline there. I'd have to research it, but. Well, I mean, anything is a possibility. Yeah. Hmm. And then there is Father God. So the Christian Old Testament God sounds a lot like Odin as well. Similar to how, you know, there's the son of God and a lot of those aspects of Jesus kind of crosses over into the many sun gods of paganism. But anyway. Right. Yes. What about (laughs) goddesses, consorts, allies for Odin? Vestla, who is a Jotun uh, giantess uh, and Odin's mother. Bor, mentioned in the Edas as Odin's father. We don't know if he's a god or a giant or... What exactly? In the Western world, we would say Frigg, but in Scandinavia, I believe this one is pronounced Freg, mm-hmm. which is Odin's wife. Then there's Freya, who is the chief goddess who rules alongside Odin in Asgard, but she is the chief goddess of the Vanir, mm-hmm. where he is the chief god of the Aesir. And then we I have Loki. (laughs) Odin calls Loki his blood brother and says he will not take a drink unless Loki also drinks. That's like a little rundown of the VIPs. (laughs) The VIPs. (laughs) Who got the backstage passes? (laughs) I thought you were going to say something about the black eyed peas just then. And I was like, don't know. Boom, boom, boom. Let me get that. Oh. We talked about in our episode on Bershta how her cult was outlawed and the cult conversion process that the church brought into place to sort of turn people away from her. And of course, this happened with basically every pagan god, but also as well with as with Odin, because he was such a strong force, right? Mm. Obviously, as the church rose to power, they forced pagans and heathens into conversion with the ultimatum of convert or die. That was actually a very popular ultimatum. People don't realize that, but that, that happened often. Mm. And so some examples of this in 782 AD, King Charlemagne ordered the slaughter of 4,500 pagan Saxons. It's called Mm. the massacre of Verdun. You can look it up. In addition, he had their sacred pillar called Irminsul cut down and destroyed at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, let that sink in. It gets better. Prior to this, in 723 AD, St. Boniface had Donar's oak, also known as Thor's oak, somewhere in Hesse, Germany, uh, cut down. And then the wood was used to build a church at the site of St. Peter. Isn't, wasn't there also a St. Bon, Boniface massacre? Probably. I'm sure. And actually I wanted to, I want to, this is going to be kind of a heavy topic, but it's a topic that I want to cover in a future episode talking Mm. about the process of conversion. Mm. Cause I don't know that people understand like the levity or the gravity of it (laughs) totally. Right. And I, I don't even know that I do fully, like the more I research, the more I'm like, what this happened, you know? So this is a part of that, but So, and as the Vikings settled in foreign lands that had already turned to Christianity, they too would end up converting and absorbing the new religion. And interestingly, we talk, we've talked about the temple at Uppsala in Sweden quite a bit. It was a major pagan site that was dedicated to Odin, Thor, and Freyr. There also lies evidence of a church that was built following the pagan site's destruction there. Oh, people are so great. (laughs) So they're trying to wash out 
you know, anything to do with Odin, Thor and Freyr, basically, because those are the, were some of the main three gods um, of the Norse people and the Germanic people. But, you know, (laughs) this is like humans make me sad a lot, but this is what I love about paganism, the old paganism. Mm -hmm. Like, like, yeah, we modernize it, but it is enduring. Like it doesn't matter how many people that they killed or how many temples they destroyed or places they tried to build churches, things like that. The fact remains that we are in 2022 and we know about these pantheons, these deities, these sites, and they're still kicking. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. That's awesome to me. It is awesome. It's, it's very inspiring. Yeah. Inspirational. It is. So let's talk about working with Odin. Yes. Go for it. Okay. So I think we're just going to mainly talk about correspondences in this segment. Mm Mm-hmm. So Sacred Days, uh, Wednesday, also known as Woden's Day. Interestingly enough, one of the reasons they think that Odin is proto-Germanic, i.e. Teutonic, is because Wednesday was deemed the day of uh, Mercury or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I believe so. And the Romans then inferred that it had to do with Odin, which is funny to me. They called a lot of people Mercury. Yeah, which is a little bit strange. But anyway, yeah. so Wednesday. Also, Yule slash winter solstice slash winter season, mm-hmm. I would say, where whatever months that falls in for you, which is so hard to do when you're not from the Southern Hemisphere. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, because July is our, like, December. It's all backwards and weird. I know. Hey, but I think that's where Christmas in July came from. Which is cool, but I feel for you. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, sacred places. Mountains. So the word Valhall in Swedish folklore is used to mean the abode of the dead. Since Odin is Lord of Valhalla, it stands to reason that mountains would be sacred places to him. Oh, yeah. Cool is that? Well, I love the mountains, so that's pretty cool. Also, wells and trees, particularly the ash, Mm -hmm. uh, these are due to the stories of, you know, his eye and Mimir's well and the runes as well with the Yggdrasil. Mm -hmm. These are also sacred nature spots where Odin likes to dwell. Death. Like, I don't know about you, but trees in general typically drum up his presence for me. Like if I, because I used to... Because I used to uh, go out a lot just by myself with a tarot deck and literally park it under a giant tree. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I feel like I don't I don't do that, but I do a lot of nature walking and I always hear him talking pretty clearly when I'm under mm. trees near the trees. Yeah. OK, why don't you tell us about runes and symbols? Well, first of all, basically any rune is under his domain. So you can use any rune to work with him, but more specifically on is one of his main runes. Mm. In addition, any rune that spells out his name and, you know, depending on how you pronounce it, that could be Othala, Tyr, Hagalaz, Isa, and Nadis, or Othala, Degaz, Isa, and Nadis. Um, In addition, There's also some symbols that devotees of Odin will wear or even 
like tattoo the Valk newt, which is essentially three triangles that are interlocked together. Yeah. And I'm just going to um, interject here for a second. That is not a symbol of white supremacy. No. It is a symbol that has been jacked by white supremacists. Mm-hmm. So if you see somebody with that, don't make automatic assumptions. Yeah. I actually wear it as a small charm on a necklace and I keep waiting for someone to say something and I'll just have mm-hmm. to educate them. <laughs> yeah. It's just disheartening. <laughs> it is, but you just have to be, I mean, you just educate people, you know? Right. We have to. So the three interlock triangles, you think about mm-hmm. there's three sides to every triangle. So there you, there you have your nine again. Ooh, good call. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I got a C in geometry. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Barely. Actually, no, that's a lie. Huh? I got a B. I said, no, that's a lie. I got a B in geometry. It was the only math class I ever got a B in, in high school. I was terrible at math. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I liked algebra. I hated geometry. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. <laughs> but I also played a lot of pool back then. And so that's why geometry was interesting to me, because if you play pool, it's all geometry. Oh, whoa. Okay. Fancy. (laughs) Okay. In addition, the world tree or Yggdrasil is a symbol commonly used. Yggdrasil actually means Yggdrasil's horse or steed. Yggdrasil. I don't know how I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's another name for Odin. So Mm. the concept is, as Odin travels through the nine realms, it makes sense that Yggdrasil is named for him and his journeying. So Gungnir is Odin's sacred spear. Gungnir actually means the swaying one. This was made by the dwarves and brought to the gods by Loki. Y'all like how I'm putting all these like little drops, like these little promos for Loki in here. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't be because you're working with him, could it? (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Draupnir, which is Odin's oath ring. And Draupnir Mm. actually means dripper which is, we could go into that, but we're not going to. He actually leaves this ring with Balder after Balder's death. And it's surmised to be a potential symbol of Odin's sovereignty. This was also made by the dwarves and given to the gods by Loki. Okay. Is this, is this a ring on a finger? We don't know. Okay. There's speculation either way. Some people say it's a ring on your finger. Some people say it's kind of like a torque, like a Celtic armband. See, that's what I think because Jarls and kings of Norse regions mm-hmm. all had those armbands mm-hmm. yeah, as, as the same type of symbol. Right. So that they would like hand out. Yeah. Hmm. So tell us about his animals. His animals. So he has quite a few and I don't know why, but a lot of, well, they're, they come in twos a lot. So he has a pair of wolves, Gary and Freaky. He also has a Bjorn or a bear. Uh, he has a pair of ravens. I think this is probably the most recognized mm-hmm. animal symbol of Odin's Haugen and Mountain. That's right. Because that's on a song. Yep. That's the only reason I know it. <laughs> Which means thought and memory. Eagle, of course, hey, poetry of mead when the <laughs> rhymesters share leaked out of the eagle's booty. <laughs> hawk. Why is he associated with a hawk or why is the hawk associated with him? So one of his many names is hawk faced. Mm, there you go. Okay. Makes sense. And then horses because of Slipnir. Mm-hmm. 
Horse is not like a huge one, uh, generally associated, but it is one that is associated for me. All right. I think that it's pretty much every bird, pretty much any bird. Well, no, not the owl. It's just how I experience them, but I've also had the woodpecker. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Uh, I had a woodpecker once. Are you making a joke? No, I'm not making a joke. It it was literally drilling into the side of my bedroom. Well, it might've been Odin. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been. The only reason I say that is there's a song by Dan Heim called Temple of Odin. And throughout you'll hear a woodpecker, like the call of a woodpecker. And one time I danced to that song and the next day, three woodpeckers showed up like a huge, you know, Woody with a woodpecker. It's like called a Aww. highlighted woodpecker. They're huge. So I just and felt like that was annoying. his presence. So, and they're annoying just a little bit. I love woodpeckers. I think they're awesome. Yeah. I love them from afar. Don't really want them pecking on my walls. No, unless it's Odin, then you'd be like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> You say that now. All right, let's go into like, food and offerings. Okay, so food and offerings. Wine, mead, liquor, basically of any kind. Aquavit, which is apparently a Scandinavian liquor distilled from potatoes and grains. That sounds more like moonshine. Yeah, definitely. Or vodka, right? Vodka is made from potatoes, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Okay, then. Salmon. And also food or offerings for his wolves, ravens, and Sleipnir. Some folks actually say that any food given to Odin, he will take and just give to his wolves because Odin claims he himself survives just on wine alone. He doesn't need anything else. (laughs) True. Also, if you want to dedicate like a bag of runes to him, magic in general, the act of seeking wisdom and poetry. Okay. And plants that are sacred to him include fly agaric. And I'm going to assume this has to do with his trance state. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ash, of course, for the Yggdrasil. Mm-hmm. And holly as a symbol of him in his Yule Fada state. Awesome. What about resources if people want to learn more about the Allfather? So, of course, the poetic and prose Edas. And then you said this this one earlier. And I'm like, I don't have that on my shelf. The Heimskringla sagas. Heimskringla. That's like, that's just fun to say. It is. Skringla. Like <laughs> I don't know. You said it was farting. That's what I thought. They said leaked from his anus. I thought they were talking about farting. No, like the liquid. In this, in the story, <laughs> the liquid leaks from his booty and drips. But before this is more disgusting. Farts are not as bad as a leaking anus. <laughs> Look, I didn't write the story. Okay, I'm just don't shoot the messenger. Oh my god! <laughs> Literally, Odin by Morgan Daimler. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a modern guide to heathenry by Galina Kreskova. I think we've talked about that one before. Yes, it's a good one. And if you feel like you want to be inspired by music that has to do with Odin, there is Odin Yggdrasil Berserker Ufednar. There you go. By Danheim. Othin and I can't even say that word. Alfadher Haitir. Okay. By Heilung. And there are like a heap of songs by Ward Runa mm-hmm. and Suze Helvgen, et cetera. Like you just look up Ward Runa on Spotify and pretty much all of their music has to do with that. 
Yeah, because all of it is inspired by the runes. So it just, yeah, by default. Hence, Ward Runa. Exactly. <gasps> I walked by a guy today that had a Ward Runa shirt on at the park. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, I want to say that I like your shirt, but I don't want to talk to him. So. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap up season four of the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for supporting us this season. We invite you to come back for season five, which should be beginning in August. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.